I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome to the Elm Park Rolls midweek preview show with Jonathan Lowe. So how are you doing, John? Hello, yes. All good, thank you. Yes, but we managed to pick up a point just looking back quickly at the game at the weekend at the city ground. Kind of, I thought it was still a positive result, but it's really got mixed opinion. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it's, it is a positive result. It's a point in the right direction. Should they have won the game? Yes, they probably should have. But did they do enough to, to win the game? I would say no. Uh, I disagree with what Velko Panovic said afterwards. He said they kind of created plenty of chances and they should have won the game. Uh, I think well, it was a fair result. Forest had a, a few good chances, Reading had a few good chances. Uh, I wouldn't say they they peppered Brees Samba in the Forest goal, which they probably should have done, given his form uh, against Reading. But um, no, I, I think uh, one all was a fair result. Um, you know, the, the, There were spells in the game where Reading were on top, then Forest came back well, took their opportunity, and, um, and Reading came back. And, and um, yeah, it wasn't anything special, the game. Um, but I think overall, in, in the grand scheme of things, it's a, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a good point in the right direction. It uh, keeps the unbeaten run going, and it strengthens the, the top six uh, for, for hopes for a top six finish. So, I think all in all, it's a, it was just a, a solid point. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if we'd have come out of that game and not managed to pick up a point, it would have been oh, absolutely horrible because we did have a lot of shots. You're right. Samba didn't have many saves to make, which was very unfortunate because he absolutely must hate playing against us. I think that's four games in a row now when he could have done a lot better on every single goal. But I don't know. Kind of, the big positive for me was Yakumati coming back in into the team because he could be a huge influence and maybe a person that might suffer with his uh, return from injury is George Puskas, who missed a glorious chance just after the first goal for Forrest. Yeah, I'm slightly worried about Yakumati because I remember the last time he came on with half an hour to go at Stoke, he then uh, got his groin injury. So let's uh, get, keep our fingers crossed and, and touch wood that uh, he's OK. But yeah, uh, it's great to see him back. He's obviously, you know, we all know what a, a lively, bubbly character he is to have around sure he does wonders for the team spirit and produces on the field as well and uh, and a good goal i mean samba yes should, should have done better i haven't really i haven't actually seen a good angle of the, of the goal but it certainly appeared to go through him um but uh you know if you don't shoot you don't score and he does that he had a couple of other opportunities as well got in behind the defense and um yes he's gonna be a, a real asset over the next couple of months and yes probably the person going out of the team is probably going to be george puskas unfortunately he had that that big miss really straight after the forest goal. I think he should have done better. He, he looked at the ground as if to say there was a bit of a bubble. I don't know whether that was the case. I think it was just more of a uh, frustration on his part. And other than that, he didn't do a, a huge amount. He, I mean, he had some, some nice touches and everything, but um, that, that really good game he had a couple of weeks ago, I think was it against Blackburn, I think he, he did very well. Um, you know, that, that's where he has really impressed. But since then, the past couple of games, you know, he's been okay, but nothing too special. Um, so hopefully, uh, well, Mate and or uh, Puskas can can really kind of kick on these these last ten games and give the support that Jao needs and give the t- 
team the goals and assists they need to get over the line. Yeah, you mentioned Lucas Jail there, and he had a really kind of mixed bag of a day, didn't he? Uh, outside the box, he was absolutely fantastic, and no more than when from the uh, equaliser when he some really impressive hold up play links it to Mate. But in the first half and in the second half, in front of goal, I don't know what was going on with him. I mean, we've seen him score some incredible goals, but it seems to me that when they're actual sitters, it just all goes to pieces, doesn't it, sometimes with Lucas? We love him. He's been brilliant, but he has got that weakness in his game sometimes. Yeah, I don't know. It's like when he when he has to just just think that, that, that split second uh, to mm. think what to do. He he, uh, he he struggles to to get a clean connection or, or for whatever reason, and obviously we saw it in the first half with that corner kick routine with uh, Elise and Tom McIntyre, and that that would have been a, a lovely goal. I mean, all he had to do was kind of stroke the ball into the net, but to somehow hit his standing foot in the net and, and sort of trickled onto the post, and he ran into the post, and it was all a bit uh, chaotic at the end. And they had a few moments in the second half as well. Um, you know, obviously def- defenses are, are, are getting round him and opponents are, are making sure he doesn't get much time on the ball um but when he is when he is kind of on his game and yeah like you said around the sort of around the edge of the box and in the sort of middle third of the field he's pulls off some really nice moves so um yes it's not kind of it's not really falling for him at the moment um i wouldn't say it's kind of panic stations uh, you know Panovich said post-patch that he's you know he's still got he can still give something to the team and there's still more to come for him it's you know it's, it's not a case of was it 21 goals and uh it's kind of season done for him he can still do more he can still push more and and hopefully he can he can um you know get some a few more important goals between now and the end of the season yeah i mean i think if we can just get him in any reign of kind of of form when it all comes together the whole team will just transform because if we can get that moment when he goes back to the start of the season which is possible because there are definitely signs that he could get back there we're going to be absolutely fine. We're not doing too bad anyway. I mean, we're four undefeated. But the manager seemed particularly unhappy after the match. She's saying it felt like a defeat. I can get that after the performance. But how did you feel that we should look at it maybe, John? Um, I say, I, I think uh, it, it was just one of those games where neither side did enough to win the game, basically. Um, the point was a fair result. And... Had Reading won, um, say it would it wouldn't have been deserved, but uh, you know they'd be two, two points off better in the, in the league table, but I think they'd still be fifth. So in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't make a huge amount of difference. Um, Forest were very uninspiring. I thought I don't think obviously Chris Hutton has, has gone in there, um, had a bit of a slow start, but has, has kind of made them solid, hard to beat. You know all the cliches and got them to safety, which is his number one aim, but. Uh, there was a lot more to work with from a Reading perspective, I feel, uh, compared with Nottingham Forest. And obviously, hopefully, the likes of Andy Renovator, Michael Morris and Ovi Ajari are back maybe on Wednesday night, if not on Saturday. Then uh, then Reading have got a few more uh, strings to their bow. So um, I think, yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's another step in the right direction uh, without being too spectacular. Yeah, I agree with that. It's one of those points that you look back at the end of the season. It might be a vital one. You never know. So we go to the Birmingham City on Wednesday night. Now, they are in a little bit of a flux right now. It looks like Ita Karenka will be leaving. It seems almost certain that Lee Bowie has already left Charlton Athletic and is being, uh, well, let's just say I wouldn't be surprised to see him there. I don't think they'd be taking any 
bets at the bookies now, will they, Jonathan, on him becoming the new Birmingham City manager? You're making a, you're making a, an assumption that two and two equal four there. I am. I am indeed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think. Um, I think as we were saying before this podcast, that uh, had Karanka still stayed in the job, that would have benefited Reading. Uh, even so, they're a very poor side, or they've been very poor large parts this season. Although they did beat Reading, didn't they? So that, that's maybe some added motivation for Reading to to get some revenge. Because uh, Boeing have been very, very poor this season, so uh, they were on a, a very poor run. And Reading should have enough to win the game. But we all saw with that Wiccan game a couple of weeks ago that anything can happen in this division. And if Reading are not at, are on, on top of their, their own game, then uh, then they'll have some problems. And clearly now, with, with looks like Lee Bowie is going to be taking over, you wonder if they're going to have that new manager bounce, whether they're going to have some just a, a change in luck in front of goal, we, you, you just don't know. So it, it'll be a uh, it'll be a difficult challenge for Reading certainly, but um, you know they've, yes, they've they've still got some very strong players who can who can make an impact. Having made it back as well is, is obviously positive, and and I imagine if they get the first goal, they they certainly won't lose the game. Um, you know, if Birmingham get the first goal, then I imagine they'll probably just try and shut up shop, and it'll be a case of whether Reading can break Birmingham down or not. Um, but yeah, I mean, Reading, in the grand scheme of things, should have enough to win that game. Yeah, I would like yeah. to mention the home game earlier in the season. That's when Lucas Jam missed the penalty, and also Yakumate went up for that challenge in the last minute to get a ball, which the goalie clearly caught. And oh, we've suffered since then. Both those players have really been on and off, but. I'm confident that we can beat Birmingham City tomorrow. They've got the worst home record in the whole of the championship. I, I know that's setting off alarm bells. <laughs> I know yeah, we've been it. here before, haven't we, with the Wiccan game when they were terrible. But what would your scoreline prediction be, John? Uh, I I think I'm going to go for a 2-1. I think it'll be actually quite a close game. Yeah, I think it'll be a close one as well. I'm going to go for a 1-0 because we don't look like we're going to score many goals at the moment, apart from the Forest game. But overall... I think I'll take that. Um, I'm going to go for, I'm going to say Lucas Jow to score. I just, I love the man. So I want him to do well. So <laughs> cheers. Okay. Thanks a lot, John. And uh, now it's time for the opposition view with Alec. I've been joined now by Gab Sutton, EFL journalist and Birmingham City fan. Gab, how are you doing? I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I'm very well, thanks, Alex. It's good to chat here. It's a pleasure to have you on. just as a precursor, we are recording this on Sunday afternoon and uh, it looks like Aitor Karenka probably won't be in charge of Birmingham by the time we actually get to this game on Wednesday night. Um, Gab, what's your instant reaction to that news? I'm I'm not surprised. Um, I think a lot of people when Karanka came in were quite excited. He had won promotion from this level before with Middlesbrough. They had uh, an amazing defensive record that year and I think a lot of people hoped that he'd uh, he'd tighten Blues up and I think, you know, we saw elements of that initially but then as the season went on 
um, a lot of long balls. A lot of the time, Scott Hogan was actually favoured at top rather than the target man presence of Lucas Djukovic. And I think playing long ball to Scott Hogan isn't really the most appealing playing identity in the world. And I think on top of that, a lot of rotation, especially in the midfield area, which is odd considering Karanka in a lot of games was quite late to use his substitution. So he is quick to rotate between matches which I can kind of understand given the fixed congestion that we're having in these unique circumstances. But there's a lot of games that kind of drifted away from Birmingham this season and Karanka hasn't been quick enough to react. And yet he's changed things left, right and centre in terms of the starting eleven. So it's been a disjointed rain. It hasn't been a particularly happy rain. Lots of issues at Birmingham in terms of um, off the field and the structure at the club and whether there's a clear sense of direction. But um, I think Karanka... Um, has to take responsibility as well for the, for the way the season panned out. Yeah, he's only been there since the beginning of August. So what's that, nine months or so roughly. And uh, as you said, the whole reputation that, that Karanga has is around his uh, defensive stability. And he got Middlesbrough promoted with conceding very few goals. But Birmingham have really struggled this season at the back. Um, and especially late in games, they've conceded a lot of goals. I think it's 16 in the last 10 minutes or 16 in the last 15 minutes. And then... 11 of those have come in the last 10 minutes, which is like more than any other club. Do you think that's a matter of like fatigue or focus or what, what do you reckon that kind of late late amount of goals going in against Birmingham has come down to? Well, I, I think you've kind of made a very important point that we, we've not been good defensively and I think the, uh, the poor football would be more palatable if we were a solid, efficient side that finished in mid-table and could maybe push on for next year. But um, I think we haven't been solid at the back. I think, yeah, you're looking at players like um, Harley Dean. He, he's um, uh, got sent off, of course, in the reverse fixture. Um, a little bit rash at times and there's a lack of stability in midfield where Karank has experimented with all sorts of different combinations and hasn't really settled on, on any of them. So um, I think, yeah, really there's been a lack of tactical consistency there as well as the lack of a, a clear playing identity in possession. And, you know, you look at people like Neil Etheridge, you look like a good signing. He started in good form, but his form's kind of dipped over the last few months. So, um, yeah, a lot of problems all in one, really. It does It does seem like there's a lot of championship names in that Birmingham side. Um, Gary mm. Gardner's still there. Zhukovic is still there. Etheridge is there. Scott Hogan. There's a lot of names who I think fans would, look at and say, oh, they could definitely do a job in a championship team, but it doesn't seem, seem like Karanka's managed to pull them together into a team which is is able to produce results, really. Um, and that is kind of mirrored, well, not mirrored, but that is kind of amplified by when you look at the home, home league table this season for Birmingham, and they've only picked up 12 points at home all season. Um, whether this is just random or, or, or something else, I'm not really sure, but... Um, their home games this season, they've been incredibly, incredibly poor in. And, and do you think that like there's a, a reason that Birmingham have been quite so bad at home compared to on the road? I I don't know. No, I mean, I, I think that there's one theory that teams like Birmingham and Sheffield United have suffered the most since lockdown happened. And I suppose one theory, I'm not sure whether I subscribe to this myself, but there's an idea that clubs with kind of, relatively speaking, quite working class fan bases, maybe rely on the support, maybe a little bit more than other clubs. And um, uh, there's a possibility of that. I think 
But then, of course, you've got to remember that 13-14 season when uh, Birmingham didn't win a home game after the 1st of October. So you've kind of got a way back in as well. Um, I, yeah, I think the squad there, uh, as you mentioned, I think probably there's an argument to say it should be a little bit better than where we are. There's players like Ivan Sanchez who's shown some, you know, glimpses of technical ability. Jeremy Bayer had a good season last year. Karanka's used him as more of an inverted left-sided player. Lilovic is supposed to be quite skillful. Um, Maxim Collin is a right back. So, so it's, you know, there's there's flashes of potential in that squad, but they've just not really gelled as a unit. So I do think that um, a lot of the blame for this season got to lie at Karanka's door, really. And then, obviously, with Karenka now potentially leaving, Birmingham have got 10 games left to kind of save themselves this season. Um, mm. If you were to pick a manager who's available right now to come in and, and try and keep Birmingham safe, um, I mean, at the moment, I think they're just that they're in 21st place, so just outside that relegation zone. And Rotherham, obviously, have got a lot of games left to play. I think they've got four games in hand on Birmingham now. Mm. Um which which manager who's available would you like to come in and, and kind of see replace Karanka if he is to depart tomorrow? Well, I'm a massive fan of, uh, of Ryan Lowe at Plymouth Argyle. I think whichever championship club gets him will get a very good manager. He's um, kind of someone who likes an expansive 3-1 or 2 setup, And I like the idea of kind of playing two up top and... Um, yeah, that, that's one possibility that yeah, I would be quite open to. But at the same time, um, probably not something the board are going to take. They're probably going to want someone with a, a bit of championship experience. Um, I think Neil Harris would be uh, quite an obvious pick. He's um, second favourite for the Portsmouth job at the moment. And um, I like Har- I like Harris as well. He did a good job, I think, at Millwall. Um, you know, a bit more direct, but I think with um, a bit more of a high pass, a bit more aggression than maybe Karanka's teams. Okay. So I'd be open to Harris, but as an outside chat, possibly Ryan Lowe. I think there's a, yeah, I think Harris is the kind of obvious choice when I like mm-hmm. looking from an outsider's perspective, given his, you know, uh, style of football that he played with Millwall and then even Cardiff to an extent. Um, yeah. Very direct football. And, and I think it would probably suit the players you have in the squad mm-hmm. still, uh, especially, you know, as you said earlier, you've got Jukovic, who's a main, main, um, you know, a main target man. He's only actually scored two goals this season. I think that would probably, it's probably going to surprise a number of our listeners that he's only scored twice this season because he's often the, um, the name you associate straight away with Birmingham City, especially for goals. Um, but Birmingham really struggled as well going forwards. I know we said they struggled at the back, but I guess this is a, a kind of a one of the problems you've got when you're sitting in 21st. You can be both bad at the back and also going forwards. And, and your top scorer is Scott Hogan this season. He's got six. But then outside that, there's a lack of goals all over the squad, really. Um with only two of the players getting to three goals and one of them being a centre back in in Harley Dean, do you think there's a do you think it's a lack of chance creation from the style of play that Crank has played this season, or do you think it's just that the players you've got just aren't really taking chances? 
Yeah, I, I think that's a big issue that you mentioned. Um, I think away to Barnsley in the game we played just before the 3-0 loss at Bristol City, it wasn't like there weren't many chances for either side. But again, the two, two chances I think Blues had were for Harley Dean's headers. And Harley Dean, he's very aggressive, but he's actually, he's, I think he's five foot eleven or six foot or something like that. So it's not like a, a Jay Cooper type situation where you can really rely on someone to be that aerial reference point from set pieces and, and long throws because uh, he's not he's, he's not a tall player. So I think that that would be a worry relying on someone like Carly Dean as one of your higher scoring players. So a bit of a concern there, I think. Um, I would imagine that if we did appoint someone like Harris, he would probably move us towards maybe a 4-4-2 with Dukovic. He had a Millwall, he had 4-4-2 um, Steve Morrison, who's the target man there, and, and Lee Gregory. And I, I feel like Dukovic could form a similar type of partnership with Scott Hogan and, and be that sort of target man. And then use Sanchez and Bayer sort of maybe wide in a 4-4-2 and then have a couple of couple of ball winners in midfield, perhaps. Um, that, that would be the, the thinking, I think, that, uh, that Harris would go with. And I suppose that makes a bit of, a bit of sense, because if you're going in a relegation battle, confidence is low so sometimes the more simple Just way of playing can work can work better so um yeah it's important that we get this next appointment right yeah and i mean as you say kind of simple simple is almost best right and going back to basics and trying that 442 with big man I, I say little man i'm not sure scott hogan's really classed as little man but uh you've you've got that potential partnership there with two strikers who could do a job up front and um mm. and, and keep you guys up um, obviously, it's not the first time that Birmingham have kind of been threatened with relegation. Um, I'm, I'm talking a few years back here, but looking at that 13-14 season, Birmingham obviously went into the final day with a, a particularly um, big task on their hand away at Bolton, um, find themselves 2-0 down with 20 minutes to go and, and managing to keep themselves up. Do you think that it might come down to the final day this season or do you reckon that Blues might pull, pull themselves safe before then? Well, the other possibility is that we're already relegated before that the final the, yeah, day. I, I, tried to, I tried to keep it on the positive side there for you. But. <laughs> Cheers, Alex. I appreciate that. Um, listen, I, I think it is going to be touch and go between ourselves and Ren Rotherham. I, I feel like Sheffield Wednesday will go down. Speaking to Wednesday, I, they seem very pessimistic about their chances. They lost to Norwich earlier today, of course. Um, so I think it's kind of between ourselves and Rotherham and whether a Coventry or a Derby could plummet enough, um, I'm, I'm not so sure. Uh, I suppose we're only three points behind Coventry, so you can't rule out that possibility. But I would imagine it's going to be touching though between ourselves and Rotherham between now and the end of the season. So, yeah, that, that looks like the likelihood. Um, I, I feel like we've, we've got a better squad in terms of technical ability than, than Rotherham. I feel like with, with the Millers, there's so much heart in them and you sort of know what you're going to get in every game. And I think that's probably the difference between ourselves and them, where there's just that inconsistency about Blues. We've had a couple of times this season where we've put together back-to-back wins and things have started to look better and then Karanka changed things up and all of a sudden it feels like you're back to square one. Um, so, yeah, it'll be a little bit it'll be interesting to see what happens to Rotherham, unfortunately. Sending my best wishes to them in terms of the uh, COVID outbreak at the football club. Um, I, I hope, from a human perspective, they recover well from from that, and it'll be interesting to see how that 
influences their form between now and the end of the season. But um, yeah, I think it'll be touching day between ourselves and, and Rotherham. I mean, you've got one one big game just before the end of the season away at Rotherham, which is going to be absolutely huge in terms of the football club's future, I would imagine. And um, ownership issues have surrounded Birmingham for what feels like forever now. And it, a relegation to League One could be really, really damaging. Um, yeah. Well, well I, I mean, I'd like to kind of touch on that because... I think for a long time, um, uh, just after relegation from the championship, there were financial issues at the club and um, where, where there wasn't any money. And I don't think the last few years that's been the case. If anything, we've, um, we've overspent. And I just think since we've been relegated to the championship, we've never had a good budget and a good manager simultaneously. We've either had good managers like Chris Hughton, Gary Rowett, Gary Monk, uh, working well with their hands tied. Or we've spent a lot of money on potentially the wrong managers like uh, Gianfranco Zola, Harry Redknapp. You probably put Karanka in that in that category as well. Steve Cottrell. So um, that that's been the issue for Blues. We've um, we've now got a fair amount of spending power, but I do think that there's a lack of footballing brain there. Uh, there's Randon Rain, who's the current chairman. He's not really got much of a, a football mind, and I think. I suppose with yourselves, you've got um, is it Nigel Howe, who's um, sort of runs the operations. Yeah, he he he's been kind of side sidestepped into less of a everyday role now. I can't mm. remember the guy's name who who's taken over as um, the director of football, but Howe is still kind of involved as a a less lesser light, I would say, at the moment. Yeah, he, he's certainly been think- involved for the last fifteen years. Um, yeah, and he's clearly a respected figure at, at Reading, and um, I, I don't think Blues have that, and I think that's part of the problem. So, you know, the money's been there, we've been able to bring in some decent players, but I look at Luton where they've um, freshened up their recruitment department by bringing in Jay Sothic from Blades Analytic. I'd love Blues to do something like that, but I just don't think there's the intelligence and the know-how and um, a, a boardroom level to be able to put the right structures in place, and that's the thing that worries me most, really. Yeah, if you if you lack that kind of, I guess, intelligence and in initiative within the football club, a relegation can just completely cripple you. Um, money or no money, you only have to look at a team like Sunderland, who've been in League One now for what three, four seasons. It's coming up to mm-hmm. gone through multiple managers, different ownerships, and. Yeah, it's it's not a it's not a straightforward task to um to recover out of League One if you do go down. And I think a lot of Reading fans have obviously been worried about that over the last few years. Thankfully this season. A bit yeah. of a, uh, a a bit of a reversal for us, um, thankfully. Looking towards the game on Wednesday, um well, before we look at the the game on Wednesday, I guess, if we look back to the game in December, um mm. that was one of Birmingham's few wins this season. I think you've got eight in total. Um and probably one of Reading's weaker, now I look back, one of Reading's weaker results, 2-1 against Birmingham at home. Um, Jan Terrell got two goals in the first half. And from memory, I don't think we defended either goal particularly well. Um, one goal seemed, I, I seem to remember Jan Terrell had a, a goal which kind of jumped over, the ball jumped over Moriton's leg or McIntyre's leg. Um, and Jan Terrell found himself very, very free in the box. Uh, before Birmingham ended up down to 10 men and Lucas Zhao missed the penalty, which is almost customary this season, unfortunately, with Lucas Zhao. Um, it's the only thing he's got wrong, to be fair, Alex. 
yeah, I can't like knock him too much. If he's going to miss penalties, but he's going to score 20 goals a season anyway, then it's not, not a bad thing really, is it? Um, so, I mean, obviously you'll be hoping for another Blues victory on Wednesday, but um, realistically, what kind of uh, what kind of score prediction should we put you down for, Gab, for for Wednesday? Um, it, it, it depends. I mean, I think if Blues get a new manager in, but if it's, theoretically, if Blues appoint Neil Harris, um, you know, point in the next few days, and he's in the dugout by Wednesday, and he whips the team into shape. Um, drills a bit of passion into the side with the way he talks and stuff like that. I mean, we don't know that it's going to be, you know, this is just theoretical. But if, if the new manager who does come in, redo the next team, then I think there's a possibility that Blues can compete with Reading because we've seen yourselves slip up at, at Wickham a few weeks ago just before the good run you've been on at the moment. I mean, obviously helped you a lot having the likes of Yedem and, and Richard back, which is a bit of a factor. But... Um, I, if pushed, I'd probably say 2-1 to Reading, but I just hope that if there is a change in the dugout, there is a reaction from Blues. And I think if there's a good performance, then maybe we can take a bit of encouragement from that. I would take a 2-1 to Reading on Wednesday. Um, that would be ideal. As long as Reading can pick up three points, I, again, at this point of the season, I'm not too worried about performances by now. It's just picking up enough points that we make the playoffs. Do you think you can make top two, or do you think? Um, do you think I think. After, yeah, I think after the result against Forest at the weekend, I think that the top two is probably uh, a bit of a distant dream. Even mm-hmm. we've still got Watford and Norwich and and Brent, uh, Watford, Norwich, and um, Cardiff to play, but we'd have to win probably eight, maybe nine of our remaining ten games. I just don't think it's realistic um, to, to to see that happen. I think maybe we could finish fourth or f- maybe fifth it seems yeah. it just seems unlikely though to to, to I, I do think it's finished if you do now I, I, I do think though that you're probably better than a lot of the teams competing for an outside playoff spot I think you're maybe not quite in the automatic category but I think I, I feel like you're, you're pretty nailed on for finishing that top uh, we we would we would like to hope so fingers crossed um yeah Good luck, Gab, to Birmingham for the rest of the season. Just not on Wednesday. Um, thank you, <laughs> thank you, thank you for joining us, um, Gab, and thank you everybody for listening. We'll be back on Wednesday night after the game um, with a post-match post-match podcast. Uh, during the game, we'll have our regular watch along, and straight after, we will be live on Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook for our post-match reaction. So make sure you join us then. Cheers.